Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This is Inside Purple and Gold. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani alongside Tom Schreier. We are breaking down the greatest comeback of all time three days later. <laughs> Tom and I were just talking off the screen. Like This game breaks our brain. I think it breaks everyone's brain a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And honestly, like if you've listened to a podcast about this game, which if you're a Vikings fan and you follow us and you and you listen to podcasts, you probably already have. This is probably worth listening to anyway, because three days later, like your brain's probably just fixing itself. And yeah. you probably want to talk about what or listen to what what the hell happened on Saturday afternoon at U.S. Bank Stadium. We dug into the comeback itself in segment one. But the reason for the comeback was because they were down 33 to zero at halftime. And Tom, you kind of touched on this, but like it was a classic case of like what can go wrong did go wrong in the first half. Like if you were to invent in a lab, like a game script that like, how are the Vikings going to possibly lose the Colts? You would say Kirk throws a pick six, some sort of wacky special teams touchdown and the Vikings offense just goes to sleep for 30 minutes. And all of that happened in unison as the Vikings yes. just fell off a cliff for 30 minutes and, and trailed 33 to zero. Kirk Cousins taking a knee to get into halftime, I think was a very like poetic scene. As yes. like, he lines up to take a knee, US Bank Stadium just Boo. crushes them yeah. with booze, and the Vikings trot off the field down 33 nothing. 
but that's not going to work. Like, <sighs> obviously, like, obviously, yeah. And I'm not breaking any news here, but like, this team, while winning on the margins and playing in close games and, and all of that is necessary and I think could help them, like, their, their, comf- their level of comfort in close games could help them come to playoffs. Like, that is an inexcusable half of football. And obviously, they need to fix it. They just, it, you can't continue to, to play like this for prolonged stretches and expect to contend at a high level. This was a good example of it all happening at once, but I think we've seen throughout the season, like they've had stretches where it's like, this team is not very good. Um, and then they obviously bounce back with, with a very good performance at some point l- later in the game. Yeah. But you're searching for consistency with this team and, and, and we still haven't seen it. Yeah, I mean, let's start here. Joseph kicks off. And Flowers, their guy, returns it to the 48 for 49 yards. Totally. Like that that's the thing, is like even just starting out there, su- such a Viking sequence. Like the the special team somehow that is fine is falling apart. The defense held them to a field goal. Um, the response, and again, I have to like look because it's it's the block punt. So again, special yeah, teams let you down. Three and out, and then a block punt return. So then, bang, you're down ten zero without even thinking. Fumble, which comes after a forty yard run from Dalvin Cook. The Colts only <laughs> touchdown. I mean, this is yeah. the thing. I just I have to like like it's almost so, it doesn't seem real. Turnover on downs, field goal. Turnover on downs again. Colts field goal again. Punt, punt. The <laughs> uh, pick six, punt, field goal. That's and then the end of the half, the kneel. But like it was. So, you know, I obviously follow Reef because he was with his own coverage for a while. I, I know him pretty well. And like, sometimes I still don't know if he's kidding. And he's like, he's like, this is just all the luck just reversing at once. <laughs> and I was like, do you have a mathematical equation to tell us that's true? Because it seems very, very true. <laughs> um, you know, we were talking about the luck earlier or whatever. Um, but some of this is just their own doing. I mean, I think we can question as much as O'Connell has his merits, certainly as a culture guy, like he's got it down. Um, what's up with fourth downs? What, you know, like with Dalvin cook, I understand it's a weird sequence where he's trying to throw the ball to Munt when he fumbled against Detroit, but like, how do you go off for 40 yards and then fumble the next play? Right. Um, how, you know, I just think you can ask how with a lot of these things and you can say special teams hurt him, play calling hurt him a little bit. Um, you know, Dalvin Cook, like superstar player, obviously is part of that screen at the end. But you're like, man, how do you build the momentum and kill it right away? Um, yeah, I mean, if they're capable of this, a you're right. Like against the better team, this isn't going to work. But b, it's just like again, this is kind of the razor's edge they're on. And I think you know, you look at the veteran players, like they're acknowledging it. You know what I mean? Like like Patrick Peterson literally said, we know we're living on the edge and it's the most obvious statement ever, but it has to be acknowledged in the locker room because it has to be fixed in some capacity. I know it's three games left. I know we feel like we know this team, but that's why these three games matter. Aside from a rivalry game against, you know, Green Bay would probably be the headliner, but like fix this stuff, fix your special teams, like, you know, secure the ball, like have a, you know, figure out what you're doing on four. Cause I don't mind going for fourth and one or whatever, but like find a better way to get that one yard. These are things that you should fix. And I actually think it as much as you don't want the team to be negative, fixate on the first half, fixate on what you did wrong and how you can fix it. Otherwise you can't count on the second half. It's not going to mm-hmm. happen again. It was a historic effort on their half. Yeah, no, you're completely right. Like 
three games against the Giants, so I think me and you both agree, not that good. The Packers, like a scary game, but I think like one against a rivalry on the road where you can look at it as like, let's just like end their season completely and, and use that as a springboard. And then obviously the Bears where you almost never play well in Soldier Field. Like three games with the potential to like play well in back to back to back weeks heading into the postseason feeling good about yourself or is it going to be three games and back to back to back weeks of like wow they somehow pulled it out again and like what's waiting for them on the other side of the you know mountain it this is their opportunity like they have won the nfc north they have ensured a a playoff game at home in in the first week of the playoffs technically have an outside chance at the number one seed because Jalen Hurts might be shut down for a couple of weeks here, a few weeks. Like, Regardless of all that, though, like you just want to be feeling good about yourself heading into the playoffs. And to your point, Tom, like this three-week stretch is a good opportunity to fix these things, to to be better in in the little phases of the game. Obviously, they've played well situationally. Um, That's been one of their calling cards this season. But there's been bits and pieces throughout each game for the entire regular season that leaves something to be desired. This three-week stretch is an opportunity to fix that. And, and I think it's also, if you lose out, I mean, again, this is like doomsday, right? But you go, okay, you're going to have to play an NFC East team probably in the first round. And like, did you just lose the Giants and that morale carried over into the next two games? Mm-hmm. I think if you look at them individually, something to prove against a team in that division with that kind of defense this opportunity kind of come full circle from last year where the Packers kind of put the Vikings out of their misery last year. The Vikings can come do this on national television. I, you know, I assume in Lambeau. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And the Mm -hmm. Chicago one is like, beware. And I get that they're not going to have to go like to Washington to play Washington. If that ends up being the master matchup, but beware the team that has like, an unplayable surface, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like that shouldn't be a thing in the NFL. There's a billion dollar, you know, industry, <laughs> but like, there's something about like, can you kind of get yourself out of the mud? Because even here, like the game against Chicago in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. it actually felt kind of like a Soldier Field game once Chicago started coming back, and it felt like they were kind of just dragging them down to hell. And I think that's kind of what chicago will do out there so you know three games with some some meaning behind them but the core thing to me is just like you gotta fix these leaks here i don't you're not gonna fundamentally change the defense um Mm -hmm. at this point as much as i held out like a modicum of hope this wasn't something i really you know was certain of but i was like could ragger start showing us like maybe he could be you know like a factor as a receiver that seems out the window but you can you can figure out the you can fix special teams. You can fix, you know, like these little details that really, really matter. Because the thing with with the Giants is Dayball's a really good coach. And I think the number one takeaway will be how does O'Connell, who who knows the culture side of it, certainly is a good coach. If he wasn't, like he couldn't have beaten Bill, Belichick, right? Like there, mm-hmm. there's game, even like even the late sequences, I know we're putting a lot of that on Cousins and reasonably so, but that's also play calling from O'Connell, right? He's done a great job in the red zone, but like, does he look out coached against Dayball, who I think is doing something with nothing with that roster, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really think that stuff actually matters a ton. I know it's like any given Sunday and that that because of how football works, every game has a lot of magnitude. But I think it's easy now to kind of look forward to like, 
can Jefferson break the record? Can, you know, can they get the one seed? Do they maintain the two seed or whatever? I think the individual games and the focus of each one is actually really crucial because it'll give us little hints as to can they avoid a upset in the first round? Can they upset someone in the second round? And I think what is the Herculean task here? Can you string two games together where you're upsetting two teams that, that Vegas will expect to beat the Vikings? For sure. The, the Kevin O'Connell thing is, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because one thing that's impressed me about him this year is like how accountable he is. Like after every game, like I need to be better. Like mm-hmm. I do think you've seen that out of like the new age coaches, like, like kind of putting them, not putting themselves on the pedestal. Like yeah, if they're going to criticize their players, they're going to also take blame on themselves. Pretty much the anti Mike Zimmer in that sense. <laughs> like his accountability has been like commendable this year, but like, I, I want to see it put into action because I think he got out coached two weeks ago again by Dan Campbell. In mm-hmm. the loss the mm-hmm. And then I think he, it, for the first time, like, I think he was out coached in the de- loss to Detroit in Detroit, but I don't think he like lost control of the game. I think he just got too cute at times. Yeah. I think the first half against the Indianapolis Colts was the first time in Kevin O'Connell's career, albeit 13 games to that point that I saw him panic. And it, yeah. it was the fourth and one decision, you know, to go for it. You're down 17. Yeah. And even like the play call on fourth and one, like Dalvin cook up the middle. Like, I don't like that as is with Austin yeah. Slotman in there and Garrett Bradbury, not like your starting yeah. center is not there. Why run up the middle? But like that whole entire sequence looked chaotic. I remember KJ Osborne motioning, Justin Jefferson motioning into the backfield and then, then just handing it off to Dalvin cook who gets stuffed without any sort of push. I didn't like that. <laughs> yeah. I also didn't like the next possession when it was a turnover on downs again, again, fourth and one. Yeah. If you're going to go for it there, just freaking go for it. Don't bring on Ryan Wright and have him throw to Jalen Naylor. Like, yeah, I, you yeah, know, yeah. like, so that was the first, like, you know, it felt like obviously at that point that he, the Vikings were need, in need of a spark. But, like, just go, if, if you really want to spark the team, like, just say, like, oh, look, I believe in the offense. Go get a yard. We're going to go score on this drive. Like, don't do all this other stuff like that was a panic move to me it was the first time i've seen him like panic and like to his credit calm the team down at half coached a, a, a great second half led five touchdown drives um you know calling calling the plays and, and kind of pulled himself out of that that hole that he dug for himself but that was a concerning half of football for me so i want to see improvement from, from kevin o'connell too um, over the final three weeks of the season yeah i think part of what you can do if you're accountable like he is is that you can go into halftime and go, I, I screwed that up, guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? And by the way, I think that probably happened in Dallas, right? That's the other time you would think, like, there's maybe a little bit of panic set in. Um, although yeah. it's different because, like, at some point, like, Mullins was in there or whatever, right? But, like, um, you can go in a four-day week and go, I screwed up, guys. Did not handle that Dallas game well. Let's go beat Bill Belichick, right? And I think yeah. that's what the accountability, among other things, allows you to do. Um I would like to see him play more straight up. I suppose running in the middle with your backup center kind of is, um, but I don't even really call it like to me straight up is like not running the goofy play where I'm fine with him having the play in the playbook where he has cooked throughout the month. I, that to me is a, like break glass in case of emergency. Mm -hmm. I suppose with the fake punt, you could say that it just seems to me like show the faith in your guys. And it's not, I understand like, 
you could be like, just throw to Justin Jefferson on fourth and one. Like the team, the other team knows, like you got to take him out in that, but like trust Hawkinson, try, you know what I mean? Like even mm-hmm. KJ Osborne and weird as much as like he had the breakout game. Right. But like, um, before that he, he would like the, the Patriots game, like low key him just snatching the ball away from that guy was like a huge play. Right. And he's a guy who, like barely gets any, you know, any looks cause he's, he's behind, you know, Thielen Hawkinson and, and, and Jefferson, um, but I just would like to see it a little bit more straight up, like have some fancy plays, have some fun stuff. I like seeing, especially Jeff, you know, Jeff, Justin Jefferson throw the ball. I like, you know, kind of these um, McVay ask, like kind of you're putting guys in motion and just kind of messing with the defense. That's all fun. But I just want to see like a little bit more of that because he emphasizes emphasizes the quieted mind a lot. He like the team will not have a quieted mind if his mind isn't quieted. And I think mm-hmm. his mind will be quieted if he goes, yeah, I just trust Hawkinson here. We're throwing to him on fourth and one, right? Yeah. And so I just I think that's so crucial. If you're going to be someone who emphasizes that specifically, he has to enter with a quieted mind, kind of at peace that he's giving us one of his best players an opportunity to make a big play. Couldn't have said it better myself. When we come back, we'll talk more about Justin Jefferson. Um, he's going to break the Viking single game or single season receiving record. Um, Randy Moss in 03, I believe. Um, he's going to do that this weekend, probably in one catch on the first play of the game. Um, but he has a chance to go over 2,000, which seemed ridiculous, um, like a ridiculous thing to talk about. Um, we'll talk more about what the viability of that is when, when we come back.